Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. So we've been on a journey this summer. It's taken the whole summer. And uh, it's it's really been fun for me and uh, very uh, gratifying as a teacher because I've probably gotten more feedback about this series than anything I've done for a while. And I tell you what, if we're completely honest in our humanness, teachers need that. I need that. No, I'm not saying that. To, I'm not trolling for a compliment. Uh, but it just helps me to know that God's used it in such a profound way in so many people's lives. And uh, just about every personal conversation I have, I get asked a question about it or and uh, finding out that different people from, actually from around the country are listening to the podcasts and are tracking with the teachings. So I just got to say for, for a teacher who's, you know, we all go through this, you're trying to hear God for your life and the life of your friends and, and all that that's going on and you're trying to uh, be there and press in and help. And I tell you what, um, we all need attaboys. Aren't attaboys fun? Just like when somebody comes up and goes, hey, I saw you be really nice to that person. I just want to say to you, well done. Oh, man. Is it biblical? You bet. It speaks of him waiting for us, longing for us to enter those gates and where he throws his arms over and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah? Isn't that an incredible image to be waiting for? I mean, of all the things, we're going to explode with space and matter and time and all that stuff that science fiction writers try to tell us about and, you know, what's heaven like? We have no idea. We really don't. Our feeblest attempt at trying to understand what that is is just that. It's a weak human attempt. And Can you imagine Paul, after he visited heaven and came back, and not being able to find the words to express to people what he had seen, and then was under an admonishment that there were certain things he couldn't talk about, uh, you know, and... Uh, I just go, wow, I don't know what it's going to be like, but that one image of him waiting for the day we cross that threshold and he looks at us and says, well done. Let's pray for that right now. We're just going to pray over our own hearts. This is just symbolic. If you're new here, you're you're just going to minister to yourself right now. And you're able to do that. The Holy Spirit resides in you to minister to you. So self, we bless you in the name of Jesus. That there is a day when every tear will stop. When there's no more pain, no more suffering, no more anguish. And also, even the things that we find joyful here would diminish And that there's a day that my Savior will throw his arms around me, will welcome me in as a son and daughter and say, oh, well done, child, well done, well done, well done. And so we say here today, right now, as we put our hands on our hearts, 
we do that now. We give ourselves that great kudo from the Spirit. We say, well done, Lloyd. You, know, you put your name in. Well done. Lloyd. No, okay. <laughs> Use your own name. Come on. We'll say it together. Well done, Lloyd. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we've been on this mindset journey and looking at these things, and uh, Wes is just going to come up and share for just a minute about it. And uh, these are some of the, like I said, the side effects of what we've been getting. So come on up. I'm going to stand down lower if that's all right. Uh, Some years ago uh, here... It was right before communion, and I had shared that uh, there was an issue of like, self-consciousness associated with, with communion, and the word was kind of, you know, when you look in the mirror and reflect, you know, don't see Jesus, you know, see the righteousness of Jesus. And the point of all that was to kind of loose that sense of self-consciousness that people have. And so in this process of mindsets and strongholds and what are those things, I just want to tell you that that was short-sighted on my part. I was probably wrong, um, in part, and I'll explain that. Um, what happened is, uh, you know, this whole concept here, I, when, when Lloyd speaks, uh, to me, he talks in uh, their logical statements. It's almost theological. Uh, so I have to, there's this abstract thinking that needs to occur to actually apply it. And so this is how, in my life, this gets applied. Uh, Hopefully I can make it simple. Picture for a second God, the Father. I mean, when when someone says God the Father, what comes to your mind? I mean, what do you connote with that, uh, that image? What's there? What is that? I had a certain set in my head, and there's the notion of Jesus. Maybe the same, may not. Um, for me, it wasn't, and I didn't realize that. And so there was that gap is actually the, the source of a stronghold in my own life that I was not aware of. So here's how that works for me. I'm sitting on my deck one Saturday morning. It's a nice Saturday morning, very similar today, except day before, not Sunday. Uh, there's only one day a week I'm actually afforded the opportunity to sit on my deck. Um, so I'm sitting out there, I'm having a cup of coffee, and my favorite thing is, you know, you just you set up the French press, and you make this nice thick brew, and it's, you know, your spoon stands up in it, and it's delicious. And what I really want is, I love the feel of that coffee coursing through my veins, you know. It's delicious. See? Yeah. Uh-huh. And so the thought comes, and I'm sitting out there, of course, it's quiet. I'm having my little peaceful time with God, and the thought comes to my brain. So would Jesus drink coffee? Suddenly I'm conflicted, like, holy smokes, you know, because I know the complexity of the issues of me drinking coffee and what that really means. And Man, so I thought, yeah. I finally resolved, yeah, Jesus would drink coffee, no question. All food is a stimulant of one source or another. Coffee is just, you know, moving along that line someplace. And so I'm happy with that. And then, of course, the next thought is, well, would God drink coffee? I had a different answer. And when I had a different answer, I knew that my image of God was wrong. It had to be, because the two were one and the same. They can't be different. 
So I had to resolve, well, what is that? Well, that goes back to that message of who do you see in the mirror? And I began to realize that we as people, with all our foibles, all of our things, um, you know, us at our base human people, I mean, you know, I, I ate too much dessert, you know, more than once, and so I have this little role I'd like to get rid of, and so there's all these just little things that are, that for me were the source of a sense of self-consciousness that was contrary to what God had really redeemed. So over a, you know, it takes a long time, but you begin to realize that all those silly little things are actually part of what God has redeemed, and that the message of the gospel, you know, it, it kind of came to me this way, God didn't save Jesus in you. God saved you. So when I look in the mirror, I I can see the righteousness of Jesus impugned in me, but I also see a fully redeemed human being. Just me. Just me as a person, as a real human being. Uh, I wanted to ask, there's a little joke I probably shouldn't say, but I'm going to anyway. Do you know why gorillas have big nostrils? Big fingers. See? Yeah. Think about that. You think, you think Jesus carried a handkerchief? I don't know. You know? And I don't want to you know, belittle or dismiss or be you know, sacrilegious or something. But the question, I mean, farmer blow, sleeve of his you know, unhemmed garment. I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sure what to do with all that. But the point there is that we as people are people. And the glory of the gospel of God is that he's redeemed human beings. So that's the message there. So. Yeah. That was really good. I don't know. You guys want to go home? That was really good. That was very profound. So, this is a grace mindset. Capturing this mindset doesn't require for you to do something, but it helps if you meditate on it, think about it, pray into it, and see how it applies in your life. These are two of the most freeing prayers that I've been praying uh, for months now since John did a message a few months ago and had this up on a slideshow, I literally, I was a great Milton Berle and, uh, of comedians and, and snatched it from him without giving him credit. No, I did give him credit. He put his name on the bottom, and he would appreciate that. Grace is the absolute and unforced favor gained by Christ's death and resurrection Allowing God to be completely for us and endlessly in love with us, apart from anything we must prove. I love the way it's written because it didn't say anything we must do because doing flows out of our being. So, yes, there's stuff we do in grace. Really do it. But you don't have to prove anything to God with it. It's what Wes was saying. In him, we, here's what I hear Wes saying. In him we live and move, and have our being. It's very strategic of God to do that. Then he says, grace, oh, it's an actual realm, a way of life 
in which we no longer strive for acceptance. We mature, we heal, and we're released to his intentions by trusting that Jesus and all his power is fused into us as new creations. It's just an incredible, if you haven't captured this yet or uh, I don't know, Carrie and I are trying to get our work schedules aligned so we can actually get some PDF stuff up on the website. But a lot of people have taken snapshots. I just encourage you to pray a New Testament blessing over your own life with these two mindsets and go, ooh, it, I'm telling you it'll ruin your thinking in the best way possible. It really will. It, it will. it will get in there. It will affect you and infect you. And you really will, just what Wes said, look into the mirror and see something in you that you haven't seen if you've never seen it before. And once you see it, you're a different person. You can't go back to old ways. And I will tell you this. And religion, even Christian religion becomes really evident to you. It's, it's really, um, uh, I had somebody on Saturday just tell me this, and they, they said, you just ruined me for anything else going on. And I, I just don't, I, I can't go anyplace else, and I can't even handle the old stuff of how I used to be caught up into my own religion. And I thought it was wonderful. I was very, very, very thankful. So this is the grace mindset. We looked at it last, and then we looked at the slave mindset, the slave mentality. And so just for the sake of time this morning, I'm not going to go back and rehearse that. Normally I give a little review. And uh, what I want to do is jump forward to this passage of Scripture. And we're going to say this aloud together. Will you say it with me? Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Don't make yourself a slave. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You've become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. Ooh. Ooh. So the most incredible thing, he gives us a warning with it. Now, I'm not going to do a teaching on circumcision this morning and and the symbolism of that. You know. Guys get very uncomfortable when that gets brought up, so not going to do that. But I will tell you this, that was symbolic at that time of an identification with a covenant and that once they did that, they had to keep the whole covenant. They were bound by the law. And without keeping every aspect of the law, they were bound to death. So Paul referred to the Old Covenant in his writings as the ministry of death. So if you didn't keep every aspect of the law, you were guilty. 
you were condemned and it meant that you should die and and thus the whole pattern of animal sacrifice the animal actually died in place of that person and was received so it was done by faith but you were carrying the weight and the burden of that and so Paul's writing to the Galatian church he starts associating with them look If you're trying to keep the law, you're in slavery. He lays it out clearly in Galatians 4. You know, it's interesting that Galatians starts with, Oh, foolish Galatians. So he's saying, don't be foolish. Don't don't go back and try and live to re-earn what's already been given to you. It doesn't work. It's it's not, (laughs) honestly, it's not applicable You know, what we've looked at in the idea of the new covenant coming is Jesus brought the kingdom. And the kingdom has a different operating system than the old mindset did, than the Old Testament did. The operating system in the New Testament is grace and truth. The operating system in the Old Testament, the old covenant, is the law. So it's just like, um, I, don't, I don't know if you switched over if you use Windows or if you're a Mac baby. But in, in Windows, uh, if you'll notice, you had to upgrade to Windows 10 and you're suddenly finding yourself, if you're still trying to use Windows whatever, all the way up to XP, it's starting to not work and they're not putting in the changes that will make it work. It has become an obsolete operating system. So if you want your Windows system to work, you have to upgrade to Windows 10. Well, I want to invite you, upgrade to New Covenant. Upgrade in your life to kingdom authority. Upgrade into a different mindset that operates on grace and truth and not on the law where you're trying to get your acceptance, because a big saying, by being good or by not being bad. Whichever way you try to do it, It's not going to happen. Well, shouldn't I strive to be righteous? You should be who God made you to be, which is a righteous person. And it's funny, if you start seeing yourself that way, you change. But for many of us, now we've gone through different strongholds, different mindsets that, that we've been looking at. You know, there was the, the orphan mindset, the widow mindset, the victim mindset, and now we're in the slave mindset. And I will tell you, this is the one that I see plague many, 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 many believers, including Lloyd. I wish I didn't have all these. So I want us to look at what characteristics of a slavery mindset looks like. Look at these. Bound to performance. It's what was called a works mentality. It means you have to be doing, and if you're not doing You're nervous, you're upset, you're unsure, you have anxiety, you're not doing enough. Why isn't God releasing a blessing? Why isn't God doing this in my life? And it it begins to affect you so much that the very paradigms of how you view God and yourself are bound up in it. For many, it's a negative, pessimistic approach to life. Um... It's waiting, uh, I'll use an old statement again, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. It's just been going too good lately. It's that view that, uh, yeah, I better watch out. 
you know there's a storm coming. The weather's been way too nice. And it's that, that view that permeates our thinking. Characteristic of, of demanding uh, in our life about obedience, both from ourselves and from others. And it's focused on how far away from holiness and righteousness we exist. You'll find it in little things that you say. Uh, really what it is is you become sin conscious because uh, under the law you have to be a sin manager. You know, have you ever noticed, well, God, God forgives all sins, well, except for murder. Uh, um, we, we want to, we, we measure them. Um, which ones are acceptable? You know, oh, you are a little grouchy, it's okay, but you can't murder anybody. But Jesus said, no, wait a minute, if you, if you say to your brother, you stupid fool, you're in danger of judgment because that's murder in your heart. He took the law to the fullest measure. And so that, that characteristic of which we're, we're so sin conscious, constantly worried about what we're doing, and uh, we, we can't, it, it's such a distorted picture of holiness, of just being able to enjoy the fact that what Wes said, that God enjoys me as a human. He redeemed me, Lloyd, and he likes me. He laughs at all my jokes, even when they're not funny. Like some of you. In this characteristics, you identify yourself as a sinner and not a saint, a child of God. We were singing an old song uh, uh, up at Shelterwood Academy, the other place that I work, and they cranked up this song, and it was, Oh, come all ye sinners, and sing praise to God. And I'm going, I just couldn't, I'm a, you know, I struggle with some of the songs that we sing, but I was like non-participant that day, you know. It's like, uh-uh, uh-uh. I am a saint. I am a child of God. And I identify with that. And when my mindset takes that, I see myself and others differently. You'll never see someone else after the Spirit. What Paul admonished us in, in 1 Corinthians, until you see yourself after the Spirit. You'll never see another person by the Spirit until you see yourself that way. Uh, another characteristic of, of, a, of a slave mindset is that you're jealous of others' blessings and rewards. How come he got it and not me? See, a slave doesn't deserve anything. It's a, it's, it's a bondage mentality. It, it grips the mind, and then you go, wonder what they did to get that. It's an earning mentality. They had to, they had to have worked pretty hard for that one. They had to pray, why does God like them better than me? So it also, the characteristics, we become demanding, suspicious, miserly. Um, I, w- I was talking to a f- friend the other night, and it was really interesting because we got, we got to talking about money, and we both decided, yeah, the real issue is it all belongs to God. It's not ours anyway. Does your money belong to God? A couple of you are nodding. 
You know, you got to settle that issue. It's all his. Um, it's all his. He's my provision, yes. Would we say yes if he said give it all away? Oh. See, then that comes down to the next one. Using our obedience as a relationship to God. You see, obedience is supposed to be the fruit or the result of your relationship with God, not a means to have relationship with God. You don't get more because you're nicer. You don't get more because you did sign the check. You don't get more because you were a good boy this week. And you don't get less because you were a bad boy. So why should I obey? Because that's who I am. In him I live and move and have my being. We're Christ here. He's in us. We're, We're joined to him. I don't want to obey so that he's okay with me. I want to obey because that's who I am. I'm a righteous person. And righteous people behave in a certain way that's called righteous. What happens when we stumble? He paid the debt. He paid the price. You can acknowledge it. Should we ever confess sin? I, I would hope you would. I would hope that you would talk to the Lord about it because if not, your conscience starts getting at you. That's from Hebrews 11, your, your, 10. Your conscience starts feeling weird. If you sin, you're going to feel guilty. If you're sinned against, you're going to feel hurt and angry. What's the answer? The cross of Christ. So when I stumble, I go, oh, Lord. But I don't do this. I promise you, God, I'm never going to do that one again. That's not repentance. That's in a negotiation. And I tell you what, he's Jewish. (laughs) There's no better negotiator than him. He negotiated a covenant for you that gave you a free gift of life. And he doesn't negotiate anymore. It's sealed. It's done once. No more negotiations. Don't mortgage your future. Just do this. God, I did something that was really stupid and it's making me feel awful, but I know this. You died for every stupid thing I ever did, am doing, or will do. So I acknowledge it right now and I cleanse my thoughts before you. And I'm thankful that you wiped it away. With the cross of your son. Boom. Bang. Free people. The slave doesn't believe that. That's the slave mindset. Get insecure. Condemned. 
You know, there really isn't. There's no place in the Word that talks about a spirit of condemnation. I've been in so many prayer lines. I've used the line myself when I could see that somebody had guilt written all over them. you got a spirit of condemnation on you. I don't know about all that stuff anymore. This is what I know. Christ has set us free, and when people feel condemned, they're under the law. They're slaves. Slaves are condemned to a life of slavery. Christ, as we just read in Galatians, set us free. Don't fall short of grace. If there's anything you want to watch for, don't fall short of his grace. So Paul says in Romans 5 and 6, the end of chapter 5, he says, oh, where sin is, what? Where sin abounds, Oh, hyperabounds. More than enough. Because this is what it does. The next characteristic is this. When you're caught by this thing, you're judgmental and pharisaical. You will, you will find that you get okay with yourself about some things, but boy, when that person messes up, they really did it. God set me free and I'm no longer bound by my words and I, I, guess I can talk however I want, but that person called me stupid, so they're bad. And I want you to get them, God. What? We're free. Free people. The biggest characteristic of a slave mentality is self-righteousness. Constant checking and gradation over life. Constant, uh, yeah. you, you, you better get up and make sure there's no overt area of sin in your life and are you okay with God today? You get it so insecure. It breeds insecurity. You should get up every morning, look in that mirror, just like Wes said, go, oh man, Redeemed. No longer a slave to fear, a child of God, the delight of God, precious in his sight. I'm just super cool. God has made really good things when he made Lloyd. Now you're just being arrogant and silly. Okay. You can say that all you want. I am absolutely convinced in my heart that God is delighted with me. And if I could throw this lifeline into the wind and get just one other to get convinced of that, I'm going to go home really happy. Really happy. What does it really look like? Looks like a story. We all like to sort of secretly condemn this older brother and then we're really kind of afraid to look in the mirror because he might be looking at us. This is from Luke 15 and it's often titled the story of the prodigal son. That is such a misnomer in every one of our Bibles. If anything, it should be titled what Tim Keller says, the story of the prodigal God. Uh, the, the God who, who ran and rescued for, for an undeserving son. And you know, I won't go through the whole story for the sake of time this morning, but look at this part. 
So this is after the, the younger son gets his inheritance, goes out and spend it. We all know this story so well. It's used for so many salvation messages. And comes to his senses, comes back, and he's convinced he should be the slave. And he's come back to tell his father that he needs to be a slave. And his father said, no, you're my kid. What are you doing? That's stupid. And, and puts him right back into his place. But there was this older brother. Verse 25, now his older son was in the field working, it should say. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. You know, if he was really a son, he should have gone, oh man, dad's throwing a party. What's that all about? Hoo-hoo! Yeah, I've been working hard all day. Let's go in, have some good food, some good drink, and find out what this is all about. He doesn't do that. So he called one of the servants, the people that he relates to, and asked what these things meant. How come there's a party going on? He said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. The father should have said, you have friends? But as soon as this son of yours came in who devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And the father says to him, son, you are always with me. And all that I have is yours. Doesn't even condemn this slave-bound son who can't see his true value, thinks he has to work for everything, and is mad if anybody else gets something that he thought he might have, should have had. This is such, a, a, such an image of what, this, what the slave mindset, the stronghold that it becomes in our, in our heads. We start comp- the minute you compare and contrast with other believers, you're in trouble. I'm telling you, it's such, it's such a sign. Because it, this, and this is what it means by you're in trouble. Like, God's going to get you? No, that's not what I'm talking about. You're in trouble because you're actually diminishing grace in your life. And you're increasing a slavery attitude towards God. In your own heart. It's not you're going to get in trouble. You're falling short of grace. And Paul would go, don't fall short of grace. Come on into the party. God likes us. Aside from anything that you have to prove. But my life's a wreck like now. I can't even get up in the morning, dude. You know? How come it's happening to me? Here's the thing. Don't move in back into Christian voodoo. Oh, I must be doing something wrong. I'm being punished. Stop. I gotta get the equation right. If A equals B and B equals C and C equals F, then Q equals and you start getting frantic in your head. 
What am I doing? What am I not doing? What do you... It's not Christianity, you guys. Well, maybe it is Christianity. It's not Jesus. It's a form of you got to get the equation right to make sure that you stay okay. Listen, from what I've seen, life's really hard. As the sun rises, I love that song this morning. Man, when the sun goes down, I want to be singing. But I tell you what, there's some mornings when the sun goes up, even the coffee won't help. (laughs) Even a French press. Because life can be hard. And he told us that too. Life can have trials. How come that person got cancer? Stop it, that's a slave mentality. How come that person's kid is doing this? Stop it, that's slavery. Don't go there. Set your foot down. I am no longer thinking that way. I'm going to think grace thoughts. So when someone has a problem in their life, I'm going to pray and bless them that they would find their heart in God. Not for me to figure it out. I love what Billy Graham said. It's God's job to judge people. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict people. It's my job to love people really works well if I do my job. Because it keeps us out of these mentalities. Because here's what happened. When you start doing that and see what's going on in other people's lives and you got the right prayer that will deliver them, you're putting yourself into bondage. Pray blessings for them. But they've done it all wrong then if you're really the one that God wants to use to go to them, lay your life down for them first. You may, you may indeed, I will tell you this, in life I've had a couple people that came and corrected me, and it was God. And they were right. But they loved me incredibly, and they laid their lives down for me before they came and talked to me. And they asked me questions. They didn't tell me what I was doing wrong. Wow. Wow. Because we are here to help each other, and there is a healing process. But listen, just because somebody's going through a terrible trial, you don't know all beginning to end. And all of us think, I know more people that have been hurt by that than people that have been helped by that. So we embrace this. I'm not going to be the older brother here. I'm not going to play that part. That's not my part anymore. My part is a son and daughter. Now, if God does use you, this is what I will say. Give him all the glory and praise God. Because if you reached in and helped rescue somebody from an awful situation, this is all you can say is, huh, I was the donkey tied to the post. And Jesus sent one of his apostles to come untie. Praise be to God. Because the next time, I might be the younger brother. I just carry that. It keeps us out of this slave men, this slavery, this measurement thing against ourselves and other people. Is this making sense this morning? God wants to, how do I get free from that? Okay.
Wes, I lied. Forgive me. He said, asked me if I was going to go long this morning. I just want to do this. This is the last one we'll look at. How do we break this slavery mentality? It's so, listen, we're so used to it. We're so ingrained with this. This is nice, warm bath water to us. Well, take a cold shower and wake up. Cold shower is this. Apply grace and truth. Grace is God's unmerited favor in your life. The truth is everything that's in his word that he wants to put into you. Pray for the operating system. Lord, I want to operate under the new operating system. I want to see grace and I want to see truth in my life and in others. So the first step, (laughs) embrace God's unhindered love. I'm not sure, I don't use the term as much unconditional love anymore because it, it, uh, Honestly, it addles the older brother's thinking when you use it. Oh, you're saying then you can do whatever you want. I I don't like that. I like this one. God's unhindered love. Nothing can prevent God's love coming from you. That's in Romans 8. Not anything. said not things on earth, not things in heaven, not demons, not angels, not life, not death, not sin. Nothing. Nothing can get in the way of God's love for you in Christ. He did it. He really did it and he really meant it. So, how do I live pleasing to God? Trust. Tell him you believe him. Hebrews 11, those who come to God must believe that he is. That he exists. And that he's a rewarder for those who seek him, diligently seek him. He he won't give you a scorpion for an egg. If you need an egg, guess what you're going to get? An egg. (laughs) So this is what, it's faith that pleases God. Here's the really weird thing about it. If you look at it, even faith is a gift from God. That's not of yourselves. He tells us this clearly in Ephesians 2. He says, even the faith by which you believe, that came from him. It's all him. You're all him. Hello. And boy, this is the one. If we can get, if we, as New Testament believers, if we can quit approaching God as a slave, you will look at the promises that are in God's word and you'll start declaring them with authority. You move to bless. Bless you in the name of Jesus. Bless you in the name of Jesus. Bless you in the name of Jesus. Well, I'm not sure, but bless. No, it's none of that. We bless each other over and over and over again. And we, what are the promises of God to the believer? Yes and Amen. Well, it doesn't look like it's happening. Declare it. Do you have kingdom authority? I do. How come you're not seeing more things in your life? Oh, I wouldn't be doing that kind of measurement if I were you. You'd be surprised if I started telling you. I have lots of secrets, and God answers a lot of my secret prayers. 
You know, answers a lot of my open prayers too. And there's other people in here I know. There's people that pray for you all the time that are sitting in this room. You're praying for me? Yep. And above all things, this is my friend, <laughs> Andrew Farley. Relax in God. Take the nesty plunge. You remember that commercial? Ah. God, if you quit trying to be in charge, God can be in charge. If you keep trying to be in charge, you're trying to be the slave ruling the house. It doesn't work. (laughs) Relax in the finished work. It's done. Listen, when he said it is finished, he was not declaring that to people. Do you know what he, who he was declaring that to? Who he was saying it to? God. Father, it's done. I did it. Let that reverberate through all of eternity. He wasn't saying that for you. He was saying that between he and his father. It's finished. You sent me. I did it. Isn't that incredible? All we have to do is embrace it. Say, yes. We start doing that in our prayer times. We start declaring, no, it's done. Yeah, it's done. Name of God on you. I just blessed you with the ironic blessing. Name of God on you, on you, on you, on you. Just start blessing people. Stand with me. Hey, Raquel, where you at? Can we come back up and do that last song that no longer a slave to fear? I want to pray that over your life right now. Fear, fear, if you can receive this this morning, is the slave master. It is. Uh, it's not in, I'd say that not in a condemning way. But it becomes a, a master to where we're at. And so I want that away from us. Lord, I pray for all of us. I can, get so, I can speak this so strongly one minute and stumble in fear and anxiety the next. That sometimes I almost feel like I have multiple personalities. Lord, if I feel that way, there must be others in here who feel that way. So I pray right now for all of us that, that the fear and anxiety would just drop off of us. It would just let go. I declare it has no authority over the believers in this house. That no one here is a slave to fear anymore. That Christ has set us free. And that we can put our hope and our trust and our reliance fully on what he did. We received that finished word into our lives today. I declare it over us again today. It is finished. On this we stand. On Christ the solid rock we stand. Everything else shifts. Even our faith shifts. But on this one thing that you did it, we stand.
and that you gave it to us as a free gift and we don't have to be slaves to fear.